It's Matthew 11, 2 to 6 in the NIV. When John, who was in prison, heard about the deeds of the Messiah, he sent his disciples to ask him, Are you the one who is come, uh, who is to come, or should we expect someone else? Jesus replied, Go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. Morning. Good to see you all. I see you all kind of gradually moving this way where the heat is blowing heat. As you can see that the, the people are moving that way. And you, you're, you're catching on that that's where the heat is. You, you're the hardy ones over here. Yeah. I don't know if you, um, what you're like with expectation. The word, one of the words I want to talk about this morning is expectation. What is your expectation for things? Um, you know, you have a hope for something. You expect something to happen. Maybe you've experienced something in the past and you're looking forward to experiencing it again. Uh, something like Christmas or Easter, we always have that period of expectation before, don't we? Of, of what's going to happen and what, what it's going to be like. Uh, maybe it's something you've never experienced before, like a holiday to somewhere you've never been to and you've kind of got these expectations of what it might be like. Sometimes things don't turn out as you expect, do they? You have this great expectation, but they don't always turn out the way you think they're going to. I always think of those adverts for McDonald's. The burgers always look so much different to the ones I actually receive when I go and buy one. My expectation of what I'm going to get is very rarely realized. I was away this last week and... um, uh, I packed my bags to go away. I was away for one night. And as I packed on Wednesday, I reached into the bathroom cupboard and pulled out my toothpaste and put it into my toilet bag. And then I went away, went to the thing I was going to. The evening, I was in my little hotel room and uh, I went to brush my teeth, went into my toilet bag, pulled out the toothpaste, put it on my toothbrush, brushed it, and realized I'd actually pulled out a tube of nappy rash cream. (laughs) This was not what I expected when I brushed my teeth. (laughs) Yeah, it's that horrible claggy stuff, you know? I I could still taste it for quite a long time. Expectations that aren't always the way you expect them to be. I was hoping, is John here today? No, John White. You see, I've got a a quote from Shakespeare, and I thought I'd really impress John White, because he's always quoting Shakespeare. Um, Oft expectation fails, and most oft there where most it promises. It's a slightly negative view of expectation, but, you know, often it fails. We have these expectations, and it often fails us. But sometimes expectation, even if it's not what we expected, gives us something more. I mean, that open hand story, isn't that good? more than they expected. And part of what I want us to be thinking about this morning is um, God is so much bigger than our expectations and, and all he requires for you and me is that we step out, that we go. You and I are sent ones. That's what mission means. I said this a couple of weeks ago. The word mission means sent, missio, sent. You and I are sent ones. And all he requires is that you and me are people who go as sent ones. 
John chapter 20, verse 21 says, Jesus saying to you and me, to his disciples, but to you and me, the people of God, as the Father has sent me, so I send you. You go into the neighborhoods now. All those neighborhoods we've just prayed for, it's not just talking about our homes, the neighbors, it is talking about that, but it's talking about the places where we live, the businesses that we're part of, the schools that we're part of, the, the universities that we're part of. Go into those places as I came into the world. Be a signpost to the kingdom of God. As I have sent, as, I, as the Father sent me, so I send you. This passage that we've just had read to us, we don't always pick up how significant the words of Jesus were um, when he spoke. If you remember right at the beginning of Matthew, before the passage that we've just had, um, can you remember that Jesus stands up, and it's in Mark as well, he stands up in the temple and he goes, the time has come, the kingdom of God is near. And he was basically saying that here I am, look at me, this is what the kingdom has come in me. And we don't always pick up just what that meant for those people at that time, the people of God at that time. There'd been 400 years of God not speaking, of silence. 400 years of longing for God to come and do something. They were living in a country that was being ruled by this Roman occupying force. And they they had these stories from their history of a God who would come and redeem them, set them free. They had these stories of a Messiah who would come and set them free. But for 400 years, they'd been waiting in expectation of what God was going to do. They'd held on to his promises. Expectation was high. There are certain sentences in life that grab our attention for good or for bad There'll be sentences that you will remember that have happened in your life that grab your attention for good or for bad. When Jesus stood up and said, the time has come, the kingdom of God is revealed in your presence before you, in me, they would have taken notice because they were longing for some change, something to happen. At last, they thought, the Romans would be kicked out. The temple would be restored to its full glory. The people of God would once again be respected and not put down. Holiness would be restored to the nation. And then John, in the passage we've just had from Matthew 11, John, Jesus' cousin, says he would, have, he, would have been, he would have had that expectation of, of Jesus being the one who would come and kick out the Romans He'd have been preparing for Jesus to come, for this Messiah to come. In fact, we know he's the one who prepared the way, isn't he? A voice of one calling in the desert, preparing the way for Jesus to come. He too had the same expectations. He'd lived his whole life preparing the people of God. He'd baptized Jesus, hadn't he? He'd been the one who'd baptized Jesus, seen the Spirit of God come down on him. Expectations were high. And then... Jesus started his ministry, and it wasn't what people had expected. He didn't come and kick out the Romans. It wasn't what they were looking for. What he did, what he said, surprised everyone. 
but it wasn't how they expected it to be. He ate with sinners. He ate with people who were unclean. He even went to their homes, sat down with them, spent time with unclean people. He seemed to have as much to say to religious leaders as he did to the Roman occupying forces. In fact, more. That wasn't what they were expecting. What's he having a go at them for? He was meant to be cleaning those out, the Romans out, not having a go at them. It wasn't what they were expecting. So when John, Jesus' cousin, hears about the deeds of the Messiah, he sends his followers to ask him, are, are you the one who is to come? Or should we expect someone else? You can hear the disappointment, the question in what he's saying. It must have been hard for Jesus to have John's followers come and say that to him. Because he, Jesus would have seen that John was questioning, are you really the one that we were hoping for? Because the way you're doing things isn't what we were looking for. But Jesus responds, look at what you see and hear happening. Look at what you see and hear happening. Then decide. See what is demonstrated wherever I go. When I go into the world, when I go into the neighborhoods, look what happens. See what is demonstrated. How it awakes people to the things of God, to the things of the kingdom. People are healed. Those that are seen as outcasts are restored to community. Death is defeated. Good news is proclaimed to the poor. So fast forward to today. The people of God. What's the expectation of us? As the Father sent Jesus, so he sends us. What's the expectation of us in the world today, in our neighborhoods? What do people expect? I think it's probably, well, no, probably about it. It's very different from the context into which Jesus went. I'm not even sure there are any expectations of the people of God from people who don't know him. But the same is true about us as it was about Jesus and his followers. The only way to deal with wrong expectations or even no expectations at all is to demonstrate something that makes people take notice. It's the only way. And the kingdom of God, the reign of God in our everyday lives makes people take notice. It's precisely because it isn't what people expect that they sit up and ask questions. In this series, Following God into the Neighborhood, we've been looking at how we as the people of God have always had the mandate to be something more than just a group of people who meet together and get blessed. You know that, don't you? We're not just about meeting together and getting blessing. Our own little thing that we do together on a Sunday and then go home and, and we're no different. You know that we're more than that. Right from Genesis 12, remember, the call of God to Abraham. I will bless you and your family and your descendants so that you will be a blessing to the nations. That is the mandate into which we, the people of God, step. That is our calling. People who alert others to the reign of God and what it looks like. People don't 
today don't ask the same question John did. Their question is, if there is a question, is more something like, why should I care? What relevance do you, do I, have? What relevance do you have to my life? People may probably be asking. What relevance does God have to me? What do you have to say that can mean anything to the things that are important to me? That's what people will be asking, if anything, of you and me as Christians. It's a different question, but the answer is still the same. We are called to be a demonstration of the kingdom, a foretaste of that which one day will be, when God will make everything new again, and all things will be called back to him, and the creation will be made back into that which he originally made it to be. And we are foretastes of that. So people go, I want that. As the Father sent me, so I send you. You and I are called to be agents of reconciliation, seeking to model forgiveness, seeking to model kindness. We're promoters of justice. We prayed for it just now. We champion those who the world rejects. We demonstrate that the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. We run businesses that are fair and have kingdom values. And as much as you are able to work in your workplace, you model those val- in this way, you model those values too. That's what we're called to be. We demonstrate that we value wholeness in people's lives by praying for them. We pray for healing when the opportunity arises. We eat with them. We have fun together because the kingdom of God is about fun as well. We sit around a table with people and we share our lives with them. As you and I follow Jesus into the neighborhood, the places where we live, and by neighborhood we mean the full breadth of the different spheres of of our city, that we've just been praying for, you and I will be a flavor of the kingdom, a signpost to the wonderful reality of the kingdom of God. I used this analogy a couple of weeks ago, but I think it is really good, this analogy of the movie trailer. Some of you will have been here, some of you won't. And I actually quite like this little picture that I've done, so I unashamedly am going to use it again. Um, There's Josh and Pete. We are called to be trailers to the big movie. Michael Frost talks about... Um, when you go to see a, a film and you have the trailers before the, the, main, uh, the main show, you see the trailers, don't you? And if a trailer's good, it makes you go, I want to see that film. You turn to the person next to you, don't you? You go, that looks good. Shall we, let's make sure we remember when that's coming out. We want to see the whole thing because the trailer gives you a little foretaste of it, so much so that it hooks you in. And Michael Frost talks about our lives being like that, foretaste of the kingdom. So when people see yours and my life, they go, I want to be, I want to see the fullness of that. I want to see what the kingdom of God looks like. When I see their lives, I want to see what it re- the fullness of it looks like. I imagine kind of with this, the, uh, you know that, that voiceover when you, when you have the trailers, you know that deep voice. Two men, one goal. No one could foresee what their lives would reveal. A film to shatter all expectations. Pete Gaunt, Josh Cutting. In Kingdom Lives, this will change everything. I want you to remember that.
In the same way that it did in Jesus' times, our lives lived with him, the places where we spend our time can cause people to take notice. In a couple of weeks' time, we're going to have TED Talks again, where people from the church are, are come and give something from their own personal life, uh, a, a talk, something that means uh, something about God that, that, that is important to them. And we're talking about questionable lives. It's another phrase that Michael Frost lives. You and I should live questionable lives. Lives that cause people to ask questions. And they're going to be talking on that. We are salt that brings flavor. Light that shines in the darkness. Where the, pe- where the people of God are, our cities should be better off. You know that Jeremiah passage? We pray for the blessing on our city. Where the people of God are, because they value things of the kingdom and they fan it into flame and they call it out, our city should be better off. I listened to a sermon by a preacher called Alan Scott. He used to be the, uh, the pastor at Causeway Coast Vineyard in Northern Ireland. He's now just moved to Anaheim Vineyard in California, where John Wimber used to be. And um, there was a phrase he said that really caught my attention. God didn't enter your life so you could become a believer and attend church. He entered your life so you could come alive in his presence and bring life to everything and everyone you encounter. I'm going to say it again because I think it's really, really important. God didn't enter your life so you could become a believer and attend church. He entered your life so you could come alive in his presence and bring life to everything and everyone you encounter. The story of the kingdom is bigger than the church here. The story of the kingdom is big enough for the whole world. It doesn't fit inside a building. God wants to write stories in our lives. He wants to write the stories now of our church. And he wants to do it through us. It's really important in talking about all this. We don't think about it meaning I've got to be a certain level of Christian before God can use my life. Because that's really dangerous because none of us will ever be there. And it's that beautiful passage, isn't there, in the scripture where it says we are treasures in jars of clay. We have a treasure in jars of clay. These jars of clay aren't always pristine. I don't need you to tell me to tell you that. I've once heard someone say we're like cracked pots. The, the kingdom of God is full of cracked pots. It's true, isn't it? <laughs> but cracked pots, if there's treasure, if there's light inside them, the light shines through the cracks. It's a little bit cheesy, but it's true. Actually, God works through the cracks in our lives, through the, through the vulnerable places in our lives, sometimes more than he does through lives that are supposedly all sorted. Found this uh, image of that light that shines through the cracks, through the difficult stuff in our lives. So I really want to, as we talk about moving into the neighborhood, about being a blessing to our city, remember it's not about us, it's what God does through our lives. Through the good, through the tough, through the vulnerable places in our lives, often through those places, it's what He does through those. Even the most horrible situations in our lives can become sacred. We're going to celebrate Easter soon. The cross, the crucifixion, was one of the most horrible 
deaths anyone could suffer. But look what God did with it. It was one of the most darkest times in history, but it was also one of the most beautiful things that God ever did. Through something that was horrible, he created something beautiful. An event to which all the beauty of the kingdom of God is conveyed to us. Even lives that have the darkest of corners in them can become lives that bring great light. I, um, I, I read a blog recently. I posted this on my Facebook page of uh, Simon Thomas, who's the Sky Sports presenter. Um, I would really encourage you to go to his blog. It's called A Grief Observed. He's had a really tough few months. Um, he's lost his wife to cancer. And I just want to read... Um, what he's written in his blog. He only wrote it two days ago. Now I find myself confused and fearful. I'm grieving my dear wife, but at times also questioning where on earth I'm at with all the stuff I had battled with before. I have no idea where I'm at or how I'll get through this, but all I know is this. As a lifelong Christian, I don't pretend to have the answers, but what I do have is hope, an eternal hope, When I struggle to make sense of the mess of my life, when I ask how it can be that Ethan will grow up without his mum, I think of this verse from the Bible. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge. That's powerful, isn't it? You know, someone's having that kind of experience in life. That's powerful. And it's not, I really want to emphasize, it's not about perfect lives. It's about what God does through all of our lives, the different colors of our lives, the different shades of our lives. The comments that were on his blog after that showed how much God used what his words were, how it allowed other people to be open, allowed other people to be vulnerable, allowed God's love to come in through the words of people. It's not about how sorted we are. Don't ever think that your life isn't something that God can use to reveal his kingdom. I think some people need to hear this. Don't ever think that your life isn't something that God can use to reveal his kingdom. Don't ever think that your doubts, your questions, your lack of faith, your ordinary life can't be a signpost to the kingdom. All he needs, all he needs for us to do is to offer it to him, to ask him to work through it, and then to go into the places where we live and be open and honest about the hope that we have and the struggles that we have, and then see what God does. See what he does. Take the step. Go as you are, the real you, and see what God does. Allow him to work through that. Our expectations will not be as we thought they would be. The realization of that will not be as we thought they would be because God is so much more than what we think he can do. I find this very helpful image. Um, Icons, I don't know how much you know about icons. The Orthodox Christians use icons all the time and they're often accused actually of idol worship. You, You may see an Orthodox Christian, if they use an icon, they will kiss the icon. And so people have accused them of being of idol worshipping. Actually, that's not what they're doing. If you ask an Orthodox Christian what they're doing, they're using that as a means to enter into worship of God. 
So they will talk about looking through the picture and it leading them to in, into a place with God. So that, that one on the left is a, 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 a very famous icon. of It's meant to represent the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit um, in communion together. And they will use that to meditate and to, allow, to draw them into relationship and worship of God. Like anything, they can become idols. Like anything we do in church, it can become something that becomes religious. But a, an Orthodox Christian, if you ask them what they do, why they use those, that's what it's there for. You and I are living icons. People should be able to look at our lives and it draws them into an understanding of who God is. They look through our lives, see what God is doing in the good and the bad. And, they, and it draws them to ask questions, to find out about God. So I, I, I wrote this. I like to imagine the people that we live amongst asking us this question. Have you got anything to say to us? And we can say back, look at what you see. We choose to bless our city. We choose to invest in it. We choose to champion justice. We try to demonstrate reconciliation. We try to value people and demonstrate the fun of the kingdom by eating meals together and having fun together. When we see things that reflect what God is like, we give attention to it and we champion it. Where there are activities in our city that reflect who God is, you will find the people of God either initiating them or joining in and saying yes to them. We don't pretend to be sorted, but we find hope and security in God and choose to walk with him through good and bad. Do you see that? And when we spend time with you, you won't feel like a project, someone we want to convert. But you'll feel like someone who we, who we love and care for. And when the opportunity presents, we will offer to pray for you. And along the way, as you see this, as our lives raise questions for you, we will be ready to tell you about the God who inspires us, the person of Jesus who calls us to join with him in this work of the kingdom. So can I encourage you, can I challenge you, challenge me? We're called to go into the neighborhood. It can be messy. We can have messy lives. And as we go, as we are, and say to God, yes, use me, work through me, be, help me to be a blessing wherever I am, see what he does. But it takes us, you and me, going yes to that. And then see what he does. It'll be beyond our expectations. It'll be beyond anything we can dream up of as a church. Any clever little scheme that we can dream up of as a church. All he wants is for us to go. So when we worship soon, I want to, I, I want to use it as a time of commissioning. We had this word when we were praying, commissioning. Let's commission ourselves to him. Let's just say, as we are, yes, God, please show me, use me. I've got treasures, treasure in me. Use me. And when we worship, come into this space. Come forward. It helps to come and respond. Come forward if that's something you feel God wants to say, you want to do and say to God this morning. Just as a little 
final thing, just to demonstrate this word expectations. It's not what we expect. It's not what people expect, but it's what God does that that really surprises us. Just want to show you this little video, um, which is just a bit of fun, but it'll just hopefully help us to remember about expectations. This is the final vault for Stefan Boletsky. Father and coach Usten Boletsky looking on. Whoa! I've never seen a springboard break like that. There will be a deduction on the landing. Do you want to show that again, Jude? It's so short and it's fun. This is the final (laughs) vault for Stefan Boletsky. Father and coach Usten Boletsky looking on. I've never seen a springboard break like that. There will be a deduction on the landing. I love that there will be a deduction on the landing. <laughs> it's a bit cheesy, but it's, you know, he didn't expect that to happen to him as he went. The people watching didn't expect that, that he, he flew into. But it's this, that, there's that sense of go, go. Be prepared to allow God to use the mess. It, it gets messy, the kingdom of God. Anyone who says the kingdom of God isn't messy is, is in too much control themselves. It is. As you go, God does stuff. And it's not what we expect, but that's what he's calling us to. And it will surprise the people we go to, and it will surprise us. But that's good. It's fun. It's a good thing. So when we worship, if, it's what God's, if, you, if you want to say that to God, yes, use me. I, can, I want to be commissioned to this again. I want to be reminded that I'm not just about sitting here every Sunday morning. I'm about something else. Then come forward and um, just say it to God. Um, stay as long as you like, and then go back to your seat during the worship. So I encourage you to stand. Worship team, could you come out, please? And as the band begin to play, just use this time to come forward to worship him and to say yes to him.